Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio Rebirth, your source for current Supergirl comics that started with DC Rebirth. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review Supergirl number 33, which was written by Mark Andreco, pencils by Kevin McGuire and Eduardo Pansica, inks by Julio Ferreira, Scott Hanna and Kevin McGuire, and colors by FCO Placencia. The description for this issue reads, quote, Finale of the Superman-Supergirl crossover. As the House of L is united, Superman, Supergirl, Superboy, and Jor-El struggle to defeat the seemingly unstoppable Rogel Zar, who is now teamed up with General Zod and Jack Zor. New alliances are forged and betrayals are plenty, all leading to a shocking visit from some friends from the 31st century. Join us for the epic finale to the Supergirl's space opera adventure, unquote. And I'm pretty sure I copied it correctly that it says finale to the Supergirl's space opera adventure. <laughs> and I, I, to me, that uh, it should maybe say join us for the epic finale to Supergirl's space opera adventure. <laughs> but I'm not. Google uh, Docs certainly wants it to be a different way. <laughs> As Google Docs it is like, you're sure? <laughs> it is suggesting uh, different grammar uh, situations there. So I'm, I don't, I don't want to like nitpick the description, <laughs> although that is kind of our thing here on Supergirl Radio. <laughs> uh, but that is what the description is for Supergirl number 33. So Morgan, what did you think about this, this issue, it, specifically the story and what was happening? So a couple of things. I Reading that description. Okay. So uh, here's, <laughs> here's the experience that I had. I, I try to always read these right before we record. I say it's because I want to come in fresh. We know it's because I put it off until then. <laughs> uh, but, so I'm, I'm in the living room. I'm reading it. Mike's in the kitchen uh, getting something together or putting something away. And I, I, I was muttering to myself. And he's like, are you okay over there? <laughs> he's like, did you say something to me? And I said, I said, am I sure I didn't miss an issue? I say this every week. <laughs> He's like, I thought that's what you said. I was like, I I feel as if I've missed an issue. I literally, I was about, I want to say three or four pages in. And I went, huh? <laughs> and then I went back to the cover, checked the cover. Cover said 33. Okay. Check the Google Doc. Google Doc said 33. Okay. Went back, said, no, no, no I must have. I must just be confused. Read the pages over again and was still like, 
what did I miss? <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned this because <laughs> in my Google Doc notes. This happened I'll, to me several times. <laughs> and I will show you this later so that you know that I'm not making this up. But in my Google Doc notes, I, I just put the heading confusion. And then I did a bullet point and I asked, did we miss something? There almost has to be an issue somewhere else that we didn't read that covers something in between Supergirl number 32 and number number 33. And here's why. And, may, and maybe we can talk about the things that we yeah. were confused about. My things were uh, Supergirl number 32. If you go back, it ends with Rogelzar getting the axe back. We had yes. a conversation about that, about, you know, Supergirl gets back on Jorel's ship. She doesn't have the axe. And she's like, well, crap, this is not great. Uh, so that was weird because in Supergirl number 33, he, there were, I, I can't remember, did he have the axe? No, she had the axe. She so, had control of the yeah. axe so at what the beginning of the So what happened issue. to me is that we, uh, it takes us in media res where we're in Thanagar and it's like, okay, okay, that's confusing, but okay, I'm, I'm going along. Then in page five, when we get the earlier, so we're flashing back and she's got the axe and they're in the ruins of Krypton. And I was like, What? What? Also, I just want to point out, and this is very important for me that you know this, that I did not realize General Zod was involved in this in any way until you <laughs> until you read that description. And now that I'm looking at the panels, I clearly see uh, Superman holding General Zod at the bottom of the panel on page five. I in no way uh, registered that General Zod was in the mix at all. And in <laughs> fact, when they make some joke about General Zod, I was like, why are they talking about Zod? That's super weird that, come, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, I feel like uh, I've never been so disoriented. I want to say that, but it's how I feel reading these all the time. <laughs> I really resent the fact that a big plot point like um the the fight between the axe and like somehow Supergirl gets control of it and then somehow the axe dies. They talk about how the, yeah. the axe is dead. That whole situation was not in a Supergirl issue. That's somewhere else. I don't know. I'm going to have to do some research on where that happened. Well, but the it, other problem is that like usually when you're reading these things and they're crossovers, right? I've read a couple crossovers. I, I tend to hate them because I'm very linear and I don't want to have to skip between like five different books. Yeah. I'm like, just keep it in one thing. Can you just calm down? But usually it, it will say somewhere in the issue, like where to go, where to go. Like, yeah. did you check out Superman numbered blah, 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 blah. Or did you, you know, when the ax died and Superman <laughs> number blah, blah, blah. Um, especially when it's like a continuous title like this, where there would be no reason for you to know that you need to skip to a Superman issue or a Superboy issue or one, whatever. And the only instance of that is on page 12. So you're not pay 12 pages into what, what was just straight up blowing my mind uh, <laughs> where it says, um, see Superman number 14, but they're talking about a timeout. That's what the reference is. It's like, um, wait, where, where is that? What page is that? So on? it's page number 12. It's like the double page. Um, Superboy says, like, can you, can you call a timeout? There's a star and it says, see Superman number 14. Now to me, 
um, referencing a timeout would not make me think that is anything important whatsoever. <laughs> so I guess maybe we'll have to go back and look at Superman 14 and see if that was where we needed to go. But but you would think that they would put that note with like the dead axe. Right? Like you would, I wanted, I kept look, I was literally, I kept looking for the reference note that told me what Superman issue all of the Supergirl stuff happened in. And I just never got it. And the only note I noticed in the whole issue, unless I, you know, it's possible I missed it. I was very confused. <laughs> um, but the only note I saw was on that page 11 and it was in reference to a timeout, not specifically to the axe or to like Robel Czar. Oh my God, the guy on page 11 is Zod. <laughs> oh my God. The stuff that I did not put together, Rebecca, is <laughs> mind blowing. People are going to be listening to this going, what? <laughs> well, I don't even know. So, Superman 14. Okay. So, I think I found this issue. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and read it because I definitely didn't. But this is like, oh, this is so frustrating because we shouldn't have to go back and read another issue for something like this. This is something like it's one thing to have like a minor plot point be shared among issues. But when it's big stuff like this where you're missing a whole chunk of story, that's where I have an issue with it. So, God, that's really frustrating. So I guess we're going to have to go and read Superman 14 to figure out yeah. what the heck happened. And it's the end of a storyline that was several, several issues long. Like, several issues long. This is the end of the whole storyline. Like, this is the last issue in the storyline with Zinder Cole, with Gandello, with, like, the, you know, the whole... Krypton um, destruction conspiracy theory and like the fact that a big portion of it took place in some other comic that they barely even reference is it was just I was so confused instead of getting into Supergirl number 34 let's retroactively go to Superman number 14 because if it has Supergirl and Zindercole and all that nonsense in there, we probably should know about it. Let's find out what was going on. Like, I don't I don't understand what the thought process was. Because, like, when, you, when you're on page, what is it, page four, which is, like, basically the second page of the book. And now I understand General Zod is standing in there with them. <laughs> I thought it was just Jor-El in like a like kind of an emo phase of his life. I don't I don't know. I don't know what they draw Jor-El as. Oh God. Uh, but like you would think like straight away you're like, wait, what in the world is happening? It's yeah, I, just I, I wish they had put that note early on. So that you would know, oh, before I read this issue, I need to go read this other issue and I don't waste my time. Like that would have been nice to have it right up front. Yeah, it really would have. It, like just a straight issue like, you know, and I've seen those before. That's what's killing me. Like I've seen and these like uh, crossover books where it, it, it'll say like on the first or second page, like check out the action in, uh, you know, 
blah, 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 number, you know, 14. Like it would say, check out the action Superman. Oh, you confused? Like check out Superman 14 to find out what happened. Like it's kind there's like a little bubble that's like, hey, if you feel confused and you feel like you missed part of the story, it's because you did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, 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 the even more frustrating thing to me is that right at the beginning of this issue, they do a recap. Yes. Of of the stuff that we have read that we do know about. Why but did they, they just the, why didn't they just put Superman number 14 in part of that recap? Yes. Well, it, it's funny that you say that because I I keep harping on like other books that I've seen do it, but I've seen other books do that. Like <laughs> I've seen other books just like a quick recap and then they'll have the little star, the little editor's note and it'll be like to see more, read Superman 14, but it'll be like a panel and it'll be like, and remember that crazy time when I killed that axe? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, Supergirl. I really don't remember that because it, it do- didn't exist in this book. It was just, it was, I, uh, this, the experience of reading this issue was trippy because I had <laughs> no idea what was going on at any point. Well, to make it even trippier, I'm going to point this out. So on page uh, three, when they do the recap, you remember how uh, in the previous episode of Supergirl Radio, we talked about if if Gandello could die by just being <laughs> punched and then sliced up. Yes. There's a panel of Supergirl punching Gandello in the face. Oh, my God. Yes. Exactly. I thought that I had that same thought, Rebecca. I had the same thought when I read it. I was like, wait, is she just cracking her right in the face? How come that didn't shatter her? The there was not a lot of uh, consistency, I think, in this, and there, and like even in this issue, there's no follow up to the Lex Luthor and Brainiac drone that we saw at the end of Supergirl number thirty two. I guess that's in Superman fourteen. I guess they just put everything that was important in Super Superman fourteen, and uh, we're gonna have to go back. And so, my apologies to to Morgan and to the listeners of Supergirl Radio uh, that I didn't catch this to to make it so that we there read it no in the correct you order. Possibly known about it though. That's the also the kind of the best thing about it is like they don't say did they say at the end of Supergirl 32 like check out Superman 14 because I've also seen comics do that. Well that would have been helpful. I don't they will so. they will direct you to the correct issue of another book so that you know the continuation is not happening in the book that you're reading you know to like switch over and like okay maybe i don't read superman like ever but i'll pick up this issue of superman to know what's going on with supergirl but i don't remember that being the case because i feel like we would have commented on it yeah i don't i don't think so and usually when things are crossover like this in my experience is like if it goes to superman number 14 it's usually more of a Superman focused story. And so like, you don't have to necessarily read that. You, that's just kind of extra. Cause it's not really Supergirl, but Supergirl might be there as a supporting character. But if all of this happened in Superman 14, where with the ax and all of that, it's like, that's important stuff. So I, I really resent that they, they haven't made that very clear. Um, especially if Superman number 14 is where all this happened, because the note that to your point, the note they put in here was for like a minor quip that uh, Superboy makes and not related to the ax, which is the more important part of the story. So crazy. So I think that's what we should do. I think just to be completest about it, 
We'll talk about Supergirl number 33 and all of our confusion about this issue. And then we'll talk about Superman number 14 and see if that fills any of the gaps of what we didn't understand about this issue. Just to be fair and completest about everything <laughs> so that we know what the story <laughs> was trying to do. Uh, so I guess in addition to all of the confusion, did you have any other thoughts about uh, the story in this one? Um, I felt that the story in this one was also, I mean, besides being confused <laughs> by a lot of things, I there were things I liked and then there were things where it was kind of, kind of the stuff I'm always complaining about with this, where it was like a million things happening all at once, uh, <laughs> where I was like, wait okay now they're with the hawk people why are they with the hawk people <laughs> now now there's some sort of fight now everybody is uh, now everybody is mad at everybody else in fact uh i was also a little confused to see okay on it was on page 13 um I, I want to know what species the Demogorgon is uh, and where um, him and E.T. Are they buddies or do they do they roll deep? The Demogorgon e from Stranger Things and E.T. was <laughs> completely at the bottom of that panel <laughs> hiding behind Supergirl's Oh, hair. my gosh. I, why did you have to mention that? You know, I have like a huge E.T. <laughs> e. phobia. Like I have the worst nightmare but that is exactly what that looks like that looks just like et right well well i was gonna point out you'll appreciate this morgan um so at the panel below that there's some other aliens yeah there's a there's a blue one that kind of looks like gonzo from the muppets oh my god at least at least at least that's what i was i was getting a gonzo vibe out of that blue oh. one with the long nose yes i i totally see the gonzo vibe also i feel like it's really important to point out that there's cyborg alf in this panel cyborg. so you're gonna you're gonna want to look towards the middle uh there's like sort of like a blue character i see yep. it underneath the blue character in the tunic there is a cyborg alf uh, so, so clearly the artist was just like, uh, here's a bunch of generic aliens. Here's a guy with the beard, Alf, but it's a cyborg <laughs> Alf, but like after the, after the apocalypse happened and things have gotten real for him. <laughs> Next well, that just a blob. <laughs> that makes sense as to why there might be a Gonzo reference there, because Gonzo, if you watch Muppets from Space, he learns that he is an alien. Oh my god! So uh, I think it's all it's all tying back together. I think I think <laughs> I the art I think the artist just picked some famous aliens and threw them in yeah, here. I thought it was I didn't even notice until we were going through. Um, we were going back through when I noticed the Demogorgon and then looked down to E.T. and then was like, wait, are there other little Easter eggs in here? <laughs> and indeed there are. We've got we've got Alf, we've got Cyborg Alf, we've got Gonzo, we've got Robot Gonzo. So <laughs> that that E.T. is terrifying though. Uh, <laughs> I'm so I have, sorry. I'm I have so ter sorry. I have terrible like E.T. trauma. When I was a kid, uh, this nobody else is going to care about this, but just to <laughs> just to kind of I want to hear. Do you know that the funny thing, Rebecca, is that you're not the first person who's who's had an Alf phobia, uh, not an Alf phobia, an ET phobia that I've known. Like I had a friend in high school who was terrified of ET, and when we went to um, what's the ET ride? Is that in Universal? yes when we went on the et ride in universal you get on the little bicycle and then at the end i think 
when we went on it, and this is high school. He said he says your name. He says your name. Yeah. So he said our name. So we all had our names. And my friend, my friend Liz from high school was the one who was afraid of him. And so he's saying everybody's names. He's like, goodbye, you know, Jessica, goodbye, Morgan. And then he goes, Goodbye, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) And she screamed. And she was like, you heard that. We all heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Liz. I feel that. Because I went, last time I went to Universal, I rode that ride just to try to get over it a little. Like it it was, it was like me facing my fears because I had never done it before. And just so people know, when you go on that ride, it's like a thousand ETs. It's like every ET that you could possibly see. I it's can't just, believe that you just went on that ride as a person afraid of ET. <laughs> it's just, it's just a full ride with a million ETs all over the place, and it's just like I had to just do it, just proved myself I could do it because I. It stems from uh, like when I was a kid. I had a nightmare where, and this is going to sound really weird. I don't know where this came from, but in my dream, like ET was in my bedroom wall, like coming oh. out of the bedroom wall, like, and like talking to me. And it scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. And so I've always had this like weird thing about ET. Like I just, and he's got like that elongated neck that comes up when he screams or when he gets scared and, like he he does that weird waddle and he's kind of slimy and he's got a triangular head. He's just a cannot with ET. I I've tried I've gotten better as I've gotten older. Like one of my friends, my my friend Macy, she uh she she sent me a message one time and she was like, "Hey, ET's on TV." And I was like, "Why did you send me this message?" And she goes, "But I just realized he was purring." And I was like, "Well, that kind of makes it a little better that he purrs like a cat, but it's still <laughs> terrifying." So I really, I appreciate the E.T. movie. It is a very good movie. Uh, it's one of the best movies ever made, actually. But the actual creature scares the crap out of me. So I try to, <laughs> I try to avoid E.T. at all costs. And now I'm staring at a green version of him in this comic. I cannot believe he's associated with Supergirl. This is very disappointing. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why did you point this out? I, 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 I missed it completely. I, I also went my whole life without seeing that. <laughs> I also want to apologize because I have to say, in this panel, on page 13, he is staring directly at the viewer. So you- once you see him, his eyes kind of follow you everywhere you go. <laughs> it is terrifying. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Any, anytime. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just uh, so people know, don't send me ET stuff. I am not. <laughs> she doesn't into appreciate it. it. I'm not into it. Because one time, my friend Christy one time as a joke, like bought me an ET like doll. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to throw this away. Right. You know, <laughs> you just wasted some money. This uh, is just going in the trash. I might set it on fire before I throw it away. I'm not really sure. I'm leaving my, my options open. Uh, and I did. I got rid of it. Uh, to, <laughs> to to my word, I got rid of it. I just I um I could not have that in my uh in my possession. So there's there's my ET phobia uh, for everyone. Uh, so uh, I probably put that out there. Now I'm all all I'm gonna get is just messages about ET. So oh no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's curious. No ET. <laughs> please, please respect please. my please respect my uh, my childhood trauma. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, well, that's, that's interesting though, that, uh, now ALF, I was a little more friendly to when I was a kid. I, yeah. I subscribed to the ALF magazine. 
I love oh, it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I was a subscriber. I didn't know that Alf had his own magazine. Alf oh, was really, yes, Morgan. really doing it for himself. <laughs> yeah, he had an Alf, he had an Alf magazine and I got a subscription to it. So I was a big fan of Alf. So Alf was, I was a little more friendly with him. I think, I think because he like joked around, he was furry. I was cool with Alf. Although he ate cats and I wasn't cool with that, but. Uh, yeah, not not cool to eat cats, but Alf was a was a pretty cool dude. Apparently, he was also like Cat Grant, a media mogul. Do you think? That, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I can understand his media empire, though. It was like clearly a magazine. <laughs> he well, he had a magazine, and also Alf was just like on the cutting edge of pop culture. I think Alf could like play the electric guitar. Like he was, he was a he was a Renaissance alien. So he was a lot more friendly. I, I, I've always thought that <laughs> so I was more on the, uh, the, the Alf uh, bandwagon there. Uh, but that's cool. I'm glad you caught that because I totally skipped over that because I was trying to read all the text. There was so much text in this issue. And I, I guess what prevented me from finding E.T. was the fact that Superman was giving a hope speech. He was. I, I did notice that. Um, did, so how did you feel about... The concept. Okay, so Superman gives this hope speech to all these people who are all really mad at each other, and they all—they're all kind of stone-faced. And then, like, before we can find out if this like really worked and if like uh, ET was finally willing to put aside his bloodlust and <laughs> <laughs> work it out with a with a cyborg elf. Exactly. Um, the Legion of Superheroes just like parachutes in and screams like, "This works." <laughs> Like, did how did you? We have to be here on this monumentous day when your hope speech totally works. Um, how did how did you feel about that? <laughs> I like the inclusion of the Legion of Superheroes because I do love the Legion, but I also thought it was weird they were not the cliffhanger. Like the issue kept that was the thing that bugged me the most is like th- that big page where it's like the full Legion of Superheroes, they've all come in. It's just a page of them. But then the issue kept going. And I was like, why? What? That's that's your cliffhanger. So I thought that was the weirdest part of it for me was that should have been like a cliffhanger to go out on. Because I'd be like, oh, sweet. We're getting Legion of Superheroes in the next issue. And then I was like, oh, crap. The story's still going. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so confusing. I, I don't think it was... They showed up for one page. They were never mentioned again. Uh, and they showed up for one page essentially just to say that Superman's thing was a success because it was a success in the future. <laughs> like, it works because it did work already. <laughs> well, that's kind of this Legion of Superheroes thing. I mean, they're time travel travelers. And I, I, I'm willing to go with the fact that, like, they just pop in out of nowhere. <laughs> what they would do um but then then it kind of went in this weird direction in the issue maybe it's because we missed an issue um but then it was like oh i guess john's going to the future and then superman (laughs) and supergirl have this talk and it basically turns into like supergirl giving superman a pep talk and i was like why why is this happening (laughs) why, 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 why wouldn't they talk more about having to say goodbye to John or is Superman going to the future with John? I was confused about that too. So I didn't really know what was going on. I feel like I missed an issue between, uh, between page 14 and 15. So this, the, the, the Legion of superheroes shows up uh, and they're like, 
we just had to be here for Unity Day. We're, we're totally about this. And then in the next page, she's literally in the next page. I have to read this. It says, yeah, they want to take John to the into the future. That's it. There's no more context. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, they just parachuted off with John and we feel okay about it. We're going to miss the crazy kid, but whatever. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> Yeah, it does seem like it cut to something else that had skipped a bunch of stuff. But while we're here uh, <laughs> talking about Supergirl and Zender Cult, because she's having this conversation with Zender, I laughed so much while reading this issue, and especially this part with Supergirl and Zender, because uh, while she's talking to him, the transmission gets lost. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> and it just, it, it further, uh, uh, I guess it, what what am I trying to say? It it uh, solidified our theory that she's always trying to ditch him. Yes, um, it's so true. It's so we never found out like how he got back from where she just left him in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't <laughs> seem he doesn't seem angry about it. Zinder Cole is the the chillest dude. He's, he's really forgiving, just uh, willing to overlook so many things. <laughs> so many Supergirl is like a a walking red flag in this relationship between the <laughs> two of them, and he is willing to just ignore every single flag that she throwing up <laughs> like she just leaves them somewhere and now she's like oh no you're breaking up oh well <laughs> well she does oh she does seem upset she does say damn when it when it breaks up when the transmission breaks up but <laughs> yeah it, it's it seems like zender was gonna ask her out and maybe they were gonna go out on a, a date somehow i don't know if it was in space or somewhere on earth but but it, i just thought it was funny that of course of course, his uh, his uh, side of the uh, space call would go out and his transmission would, would be lost. That is very typical of their relationship. So I feel, once again, I feel really bad for Zender Cole. Poor Zender Cole. He was really close to asking Supergirl out on a date. and uh, So close. Do you, do you think that we'll ever see Zender Cole again? Ooh, that's... That's a good question. I don't I know. Think, we've we've got no. some more. We <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> well, the uh this run of the comics still has a little bit to go. So maybe there's more coming from Zinder Cole. That's that's my guess. So you're gonna say no. I'm gonna say maybe. <laughs> we'll, we'll see i mean i think the thing is it's completely reasonable that either one happens in this book and that's <laughs> and that's wild to me like he could he could be a major character and this could be a big romance for her or he could never show up again <laughs> it's not like that hasn't already happened in these i books. know uh so that's the uh annoying thing about it um well are there any part other parts of the story that um that you wanted to bring up? Hmm. Let me see. I mean, I liked that whole, um, I can't remember what, pa what panels they were, but where she was basically talking about how she let go of her anger and she feels like she's kind of like a new person. Um, and that she's kind of like worked through all of the anger that she felt about Krypton. I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought she says, um, you know, all that rage is gone 
And where does that leave me? I was so angry for so long. Who am I without it? Um, but then she says, you know, without the anger, she feels almost human again. And I think that that ties to her decision at the end of the, um, at the end of the issue to decide to go back to earth. Um, who knows where Superman is going? They don't make that clear at all. Superman's apparently not feeling Earth right now. Uh, <laughs> bad news for Lois, I guess. But uh, he, he's not going back to Earth. So she's going to go and uh, hold down the fort for him. Um, but I thought it was interesting that she was kind of thinking about, he's kind of like, where, what, what's next for you? Like, you finish this chapter uh quite quite literally uh because this arc is done but uh <laughs> you finish this arc in space and like now what do you want to do and um and she thinks that she wants to go back to earth it's kind of like she closed the book on this sort of chapter of her life where she was angry and wanted to get vengeance and like wanted to find out what happened and now that she did and something happened with the axe, who knows what it was, but <laughs> uh, I feel like she's a lot more at peace in this issue. And I, I, I liked that sort of turn for her character. Although who will say, I feel like she's had that turn a couple of times where she's yes. like, uh, she's uh, looked at her anger and she's gotten over it. And then she's gotten angry again. and then She's gotten over it. So I think it would have hit a lot differently if we, she hadn't had to learn that lesson about five times, but you know, well, the thing that I find funny about how she remarks that without the rage, she she feels almost human again. And I I was thinking, uh, you don't think humans feel rage? You don't think we get angry about stuff? You don't think we go on tirades and get upset? Like you don't think that we have rage? That's that's like one of the biggest human traits yeah. <laughs> that I can think of. Seriously, yeah, yeah. Being mad is is uh, now. Oh, now that I've divorced myself from from anger, I I, I truly feel like a person. It's like, have you met people? <laughs> <laughs> have you been around a human? Exactly. Yeah. So that I thought was kind of strange uh, on her part because I almost think that like people who. Do, or like characters, I guess, fictional characters who don't have any emotions whatsoever are more alien or and maybe that's me judging aliens. But uh, but just kind of thinking about like, you know, Star Trek and um, Spock, where he's he's supposed to be more logical. So he doesn't have a lot of emotions or like Brainiac 5, who's supposed to be more computerized and, and doesn't have as much emotion. That's that's kind of what I think about when I think about people who don't have rage or any kind of emotion it's more robotic for you to do that so i think it's more human to actually be angry and show emotion and have passion about something so that's a weird take on being human uh in my opinion i also thought it was strange because i think it it sort of hits back on our question about the axe and the rage so are we to believe that when the axe dies all of her rage went with the axe was, was the axe just making her angry? Yeah. That's what I didn't understand. I, I, I don't think that I like that. If that's where the story wants us to believe it is like that, all of her rage was fueled by the axe because like, there's completely legitimate reasons for her to be angry. Like her entire people were wiped out it's it's okay to be angry about things and to have that anger it doesn't have to be something where it's like well she was only angry because of that axe i thought that the axe was kind of like 
amping up the anger that was already there inside of her about what happened to Krypton. But it does kind of feel like she's like, well, the axe is gone and now so is my anger. Yeah, I, I kind of, and that, I guess that for me, that sort of hits on the, the idea of humans and being capable of rage. I, I would think it would be more interesting for Supergirl to have her own rage and have to work through it instead of it just being something that the axe brought out. Like, I would have found it almost more interesting if she was like, the axe is dead, but I'm still angry. Yeah. Like, because it, I was trying to blame all of my anger on this axe about, you know, how unfair it is that everything happened and, and, you know, losing my family and losing my planet. But it turns out that I'm just angry about those things and like that she has to maybe then think about it and work on it herself instead of blaming the axe. I think that that would have been more interesting to me than like, well, the axe is gone and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. That, that seems like a, like a lazy storytelling out. Um, for me, so I, I I wasn't crazy about that. Although I did like there were some moments in the issue where it sort of felt like Kara was having to wrestle with her emotions. So that I did like because it felt Supergirl centric. But uh, but yeah, I, I didn't really understand the relationship between the rage and anger and the axe. And then also bringing into the fact that like being human means you don't have any rage is all very <laughs> Does it? Yeah. <laughs> that to me seemed nonsensical. Since when? Yeah. So, uh, okay. So uh, before we move on to the art, anything else you want to talk about with the story? Um, Let me see. Was there anything else? No, I think that was kind of most of it. I was, uh, do, do you know what Superman's plans are? Was that clear to you? I just know he's not going to be on Earth for a while. <laughs> I assumed he was maybe going to the future with John, with Superboy. But I, that was not something that was expressly said. Yeah, no, that was not clear to me in any way. It was just kind of like, well, since we both know I'm not returning to Earth, it was like, but why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say, super psyched that Crypto is going back with her, though. Yeah, uh, that's that's the one uh, silver lining of this issue, is that uh, Crypto is still uh, being cared for by Supergirl, and they're still hanging out together. I don't want to skim past the most important uh, part of the issue, which is that <laughs> we will still be seeing Crypto in the future. <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we wrap up the uh, the story points, we, we need to mention that. All right, well, let's talk about the art in this issue. I guess we already kind of talked about some of the alien Easter eggs uh, that you found that are now going <laughs> to haunt my dreams. <laughs> uh, but are there any other pages or panels that stuck out to you? Um, I do like the panel on, I do like the page on 18. I, I actually like the, I think it's eight, uh, 16, 17, 18. Just, I like the colors in, in these. It's kind of like a sunset and uh, it looks like it's autumn. Um, in get some whatever, yeah, in whatever you know, like world this is, and uh, Superman sure knows how to pose. I'll I'll give him that. Like I feel like he's been like in this pose where he's got one 
foot up dramatically on a rock and his cape is fluttering in the wind and he's been holding that pose for like 20 minutes and he's like <laughs> he's just starting, waiting for starting to get tired like if you if you panned around like he'd be sweating a little bit but he's like <laughs> no no I'm gonna look so dramatic when she walks up <laughs> it reminded me of there's an episode of 30 Rock uh, I think it's in season one where Jack goes to uh oh what is that art gallery called uh, I forget, but, uh, he goes to look at some art and he's stand, he's standing in front of a painting and he's, he's waiting for Liz Lemon to show up just so that he can be like, uh, he can recognize her presence behind him. Like he, that <laughs> whole thing is just him standing there waiting for her to show up. Um, and that's kind of what that, uh, reminded me of. He, he was very Jack Donaghy in this situation. Yeah, it really was. And then obviously I loved the, uh, now that I noticed all the Easter eggs in uh, like the little group of aliens, I love that page on page uh, 13. Also interesting that there's like a little like Gandello-esque uh, creature in the background. Oh, yeah. Like it, it makes me wonder like, what's the Gandello ice ice creature race like? Or, or like... Are they all evil or is it Gandello just kind of like the one bad one <laughs> giving everybody else a bad name? Yeah, it seemed like she was just a bad egg. So, but yeah, there is one that looks a lot like Gandello back there. And then I like the way that they played the, um, the kind of the zoom call between, <laughs> between Kara and Zinder Cole when, uh, when it loses, uh, transmission. And then they, they're both at the bottom of the panel, like looking at each other, like, Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that was one that really stood out to me. Just the composition of that where uh, you get to see them actually kind of their perspective of what they're looking at. So I, I really like that one a lot. They have different backgrounds. Uh, you talk about Zoom calls. They have different, <laughs> different backgrounds. Um, and, it you know, it's it's a little a little heartbreaking. They're both upset that they lost that transmission and we we, we didn't get to see them carry on that conversation. Uh, let's see for me, uh, I like the full page on uh, page six, uh, was Supergirl versus Rogel's R. I thought that was a really good, uh, action page, uh, a lot of ax wielding things that were going on there. Um, I also liked page nine with the Thanagarians, uh, the Thanagarian black guard. I like the, the contrast with the black and the yellow. I thought that was really striking um, just to see the sort of the black and heavier contrast to the bright, bright yellow and oranges there. Yeah, the colors in that one are really cool. And it's it's got kind of like almost like a neon look to it, too. Yeah, I really like the colors and the composition in that one. Uh, And then there was on page 17 where we were talking about supergirl's emotions and kind of showing what she was going through um i i like the uh, page 17 where it sort of shows Kara's thought process and what she's what she's trying to figure out about her life and her next step so anytime a, a comic really shows kind of what she's dealing with and what she's thinking it makes me feel like i'm with her in that thought process so i i appreciated uh seeing that although like her her thoughts are kind of I guess they would be a little sporadic where like she's she's not she's not making a lot of sense. She's like, maybe I'll earth like that's not that's not a full <laughs> yeah. complete thought. I was like, OK, 
but I but I guess she's like having these thoughts and just voicing the thoughts as she has them. So, but I did like that. I like the uh, the different uh, emotion facial expressions that uh, were depicted in that section of the page. Well, okay, so I guess since we've talked about this one uh, and its various uh, ups and downs, uh, what are your overall thoughts about Supergirl number 33? <laughs> um, this one confused me in such a real way. <laughs> like, I, I thought that the last issue was going to be, like, the chaotic heights of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of the rebirth. And and then this one came and was like, hold my beer. Uh <laughs> It, it just, I feel like all of this could have been avoided if there was just some indication that there was a different issue we should have read before this one. But jumping into this issue cold, I was literally like, what did I miss? Am, am I going crazy? How does, how do I think this with every issue? This, this series, more than any super role thing I've read in the comics is so not well handled in terms of like being something that you can read just sitting down to read it. I, I find that really um, different because at least with like the silver age, they were more self-contained stories. Then you get into like the seventies and eighties where they were mostly one shots and maybe they would tie together with something else, but they were pretty much, you know, you could follow along with them, but the, this is just, I, I feel like a lot of these issues that we talk about in the, the rebirth era are like this. There's a lot of confusion about what's going on, what's happening. Writers change, storylines change. Like, it's just, it's chaotic. So uh, I guess this is just kind of par for the course. My thought process is put, put something in the a description, for the issue like hey go back and make sure you read this before you continue on and maybe they don't want to do that because then they don't want to like freak you out of over buying the issue that you're reading but ah i don't know that to me that would signal like oh i gotta go find this one yeah if i'm, just, if I'm reading the description just any amount of like knowledge that there was something before this that we should have read that would have given us insight or context into what we were reading i think would have been incredibly helpful an editor's note that was gave some context or a panel that let us know what happened in superman 14 uh it was just it was so strange to be dropped in to this issue and just kind of expected to like go with it like like we were supposed to be following the events of what was happening. And I just kept going like, I, I don't feel like I missed anything, but I had to have missed something. <laughs> it didn't make any sense uh, the, as we read it. So I guess we'll give it its full due. We'll go read Superman number 14. And maybe I'll try to do a little more research and make sure like we haven't missed anything else. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> oh, God. But I just, I, I know we talk about this all the time with these comic reviews, but we shouldn't have to do this. I just think this is something that is a problem. In, and we talk about this all the time. It's a comic-wide problem. It doesn't matter what company it is, if it's DC Comics or Marvel Comics, it is a problem company-wide. And I understand why they do the crossovers. 
But this really stinks, especially when it's big story points. So I I really wish the comic industry would change this about the way they operate. But they're yeah. not. They're not gonna. No, but. They're, they're never going to. But it drives me crazy. And as somebody who's read DC stuff and read Marvel stuff, they both do it. And it always drives me crazy. And it's one of the reasons why comics are a tough medium to jump into. Um, because you, there's never any starting point, really. There's, you know, it's it's tough. And then you're halfway through a book and suddenly you don't know what happened because it was a crossover with something else and you have to go find those issues. Where are those issues? I don't know. What's the exact issues that you got to pick up? Uh, also can be nebulous. It's it, it, it becomes so serpentine to follow some of these books that like, Sometimes I just give up. I'm just like, okay, whatever, fine, forget it. I'll I'll pick it up on the trade or I'll pick it up later or I won't pick it up at all. And I think it, they it, they should make it a little bit easier to follow along with this. Like here we are, we're reading it issue by issue and we're still puzzled. I'm like what is happening? Yeah, I was about to say something about trade paperbacks. Like this is actually incentivizing me in the future not to read it issue by issue. And just wait for the trade to come out. Because at least with most trade paperbacks that I've read, they will put those, like Superman number 14, they'll put that in the trade paperback with the, uh, the other Supergirl issues so that it has proper context. So maybe in the future, maybe we just wait till everything comes out. And and uh, obviously the, the downside of that is that books that maybe we would really like uh, and that we would support, you know, um, month to month, uh, we won't be able to because they'll we'll get be canceled. Waiting, we'll be waiting for the trades and then they'll get canceled in the meantime. Uh, Cause I, I know when I was uh, reading a, a little bit more comics, I've been kind of out of it uh, because of, you know, just time and stuff. But I remember there'd be, you know, c- series that I really loved and that I would follow, you know, I would subscribe to basically just for that reason, because I knew that, they're looking at the numbers of how many issues are selling through to decide whether or not to continue the run of that comic. And so the, the trades are great and like bring new people on board, but it's not how the comic industry really decides what's going to keep running and what's going to get canceled. Which is why it's so perplexing that this is how they operate. Exactly. Which is why it's, it is so perplexing that they make it so difficult to follow things in single issue. It's yeah. (sighs) Well, I guess the, (laughs) this is the life of the comic book reader. Um, So I, so next time around we'll read Superman number 14 and really wrap this, this, uh, (laughs) this big finale up because we only saw part of the finale. And then we'll, and then we'll understand what is happening in this one. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll get some more context and understand it a little better. So I guess that's on us. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts on Supergirl number 33. If you've already picked up this issue, make sure to give it a rating in Comixology or your DC Comics app. I also wish that they had a comment section. Uh, so we could leave our <laughs> feedback about situations like this. Yeah, we're like, just make it easier to follow. That's all we want. <laughs> we're not asking for much. Um, and if you haven't bought it yet, Supergirl number 33 is available in the DC Comics app, Comicsology app, as well as Comicsology.com, Google Play, the Nook Store, Amazon, and at ReadDCEntertainment.com. Now, you might want to find Superman 14 before <laughs> Supergirl 33. <laughs> 
That would be the recommendation uh, from us to you. Well, I guess uh, now let's get to some Supergirl Radio and DC TV plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252 and make sure to write and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. You can find links to everything I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Amy from the Legends of Tomorrow podcast for the DC TV plugs. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV podcast network, so if you're interested in The Flash, Black Lightning, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, Titans, Stargirl, Green Lantern, Strange Adventures, and the upcoming Superman and Lois series, or DC TV After Dark, make sure to follow DC TV podcasts on social media and subscribe to the podcast mega feed if you want all those podcasts in one place. If you enjoy our Supergirl Radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you are in need of some new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. So our DC TV plugs are going to be out of date so very soon. So <laughs> we need some new ones. If you would like your wonderful voice to be featured on Supergirl Radio, please, guys, please, if you don't do it, shh, Rebecca can't hear me. If you don't do it, I'm going to have to do it. And I don't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> please send us an audio file. That can be an MP3, an M4A, or a WAV file to Supergirl Radio at G gmail.com by february 21st please do it now <laughs> <laughs> to thank you for contributing we'll send some giveaway items to those who send in submissions be as creative as you like but just make sure to mention these podcasts see how it's starting already okay <laughs> uh these are the podcasts you have to mention supergirl radio superman and lois radio the Flash Podcast, The Legends of Tomorrow Podcast. Sound familiar? I'm in that one too. Uh, Black Lightning Podcast, Batwoman Podcast, Titans, and Doom Patrol Podcast, Stargirl Podcast, Justice League, Dark Podcast, Green Lantern Podcast, Strange Adventures Podcast, and DC TV After Dark. And that's really all you need to do when you record uh, the plugs for the plugs contest. It doesn't have to be fancy. Now, we did have a previous plugs uh, from our previous plug contest. We did have somebody who wrote a little bit of a poem. You could do that or you could just straight read the list and just kind of add your own flair to it. You can do whatever you want with these plugs. Uh, you can you can uh, give it your own spin is all we ask. So uh, it's pretty easy to do. Uh, so if you're interested in it, uh, you'll be featured on Supergirl Radio and we'll send you some cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, it is a win-win, mostly for me, 
but it is a win-win. <laughs> well, you can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid, and I have a YouTube channel that you can find at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is upon us. Uh, I think we have, let's see, it's March 18th. So we have a little bit of a, a, a little bit more than a month to go, but things are starting to ramp up. There's uh, clips and trailers coming out. So if you want more Zack Snyder's Justice League content, uh, subscribe to Duck Belt Prod. I recently did a reaction to the Victor Stone clip that Zack Snyder tweeted out on Super Bowl Sunday for that YouTube channel. And I was mostly like, it's weird there's no branding on this clip. <laughs> they should maybe, and I don't know, I, I think poor Zack Snyder is having to promote this movie by himself. Uh, cause it's, it's weird that like HBO max didn't put something together. Maybe it's, maybe it's just me, but like, if you're going to have a clip, don't just have like the head and tail be black and no, it had no, like Zack Snyder's justice league coming March 18th on HBO max. It had nothing. On really? That clip. It was just a clip of Victor stone scoring a touchdown. And then that's all it was. And I was like, Weird. no, that's no, you got to put some context. Nobody knows what this is. If they don't, if they don't know about the movie, they don't know what this is. What is this? <laughs> that's not marketing. <laughs> so I I feel like Zach is having to promote the movie by himself. And he, maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't have that, you know, the foresight into like, oh, maybe I should put a logo on here or something, you know, like. Like HBO Max should be in charge of that. They, HBO they sh- Max should be yes, exactly. HBO Max knows what they're doing. <laughs> they kind should of. be. I mean, they, I use that app, so I can't. <laughs> they should be helping him with this. It's really frustrating. So basically, if you watch my video on that, I I, I talked about a 15 second clip for about eight and a half minutes. Uh, <laughs> so enjoy that. Uh, there's I a- mean, no one who's listened to this podcast is going to be surprised that uh, we have gone down so many rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot to say, uh, and I'm sure I have a lot more to uh, a lot more to say because uh, on Sunday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, Ooh. Uh, is when the trailer, the final trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice, Justice League, is going to drop. So that will be very exciting. Hopefully, there will be some logos and a date <laughs> on there, and so, maybe even a date, <laughs> so people know what it is and when to watch it and where to watch it. That's what you need to put on there. Uh, I also recently did a live audio commentary of Zack Snyder's Man of Steel with Andy Bebek for the Flash podcast, and uh, if you're interested in that, it went pretty well. I mean, we got we watched the movie. I ate some popcorn. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we're also going to be doing that for Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, the ultimate edition, the only real, true version of that movie. Although I kind of like, I fell in love with the theatrical version. I'm not going to lie, uh, <laughs> but uh, we're going to be doing that on February 13th at 12 p.m. Eastern on the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel. So if you've got three and a half hours and uh, you want to watch BVS with Andy and me and uh, pop some popcorn, get com- get comfortable because it's going to be it's going to be a long movie. <laughs> so uh, definitely hang out with us on February 13th at 12 p.m. Eastern if you would like to do that. That sounds super fun. Uh, I will be uh at a bed and breakfast so i'm probably not gonna (laughs) (laughs) not gonna hang out with you guys but i think understandable i think that like if you're just hanging out you don't have anything to do now you do you're hanging out with uh rebecca and andy watching a movie (laughs) (laughs) sounds fun also Uh, a bed and breakfast also sounds fun yeah i'm gonna be all about that breakfast life (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mojotastic. You can also find my cats at the Lab Cats. Uh, quality kitten content there. Um, you can also find me as a co-host on uh, DC TV After Dark and the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Now, for the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, we are, are I think our February episodes. And I say, I think because we're pushing back one week. So one of them might hit with March, but we are um, taught, we are doing a book club. Um, and we are also going to be talking about the, the HBO max TV shows speak of the devil. Um, <laughs> Harley Quinn. <laughs> so we've, we've all recently watched Harley Quinn. Um, so we are going to be talking about the first two seasons of that. So if you have watched Harley Quinn and you've enjoyed it, that'll be uh should be a fun discussion. If you haven't watched Harley Quinn, it is incredibly funny. It is, um, it is not for children. I will say that. It's animated, so you might think it's not. It is not for children, uh, but it is incredibly funny. It's a weird thing to say that I love Bane, but that show made me love Bane. <laughs> I love Bane. There's nothing wrong with, He's with so Bane. He's so good. <laughs> Poor um, Bane. So, so Harley Quinn is available on HBO Max. I just, I just want to promote yeah. that. Uh, so you could... You could subscribe to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League and also while you're there, watch the animated Harley Quinn show and then also watch Birds of Prey colon Harley Quinn, which is what that movie is called, even though they have a <laughs> thumbnail that says and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. So the thumbnail doesn't match the episode title, which is a really huge problem with your metadata, HBO Max. You need to fix that. But... You can get all that content on HBO Max, which you, so, you should be subscribed to. <laughs> and and I promise you that the app will work most of the time. That is my <laughs> that is my guarantee to you. HBO Max, probably you can watch it. Uh, <laughs> but al but also just to plug HBO Max a little bit more, uh, they have all of the Miyazaki movies. So that alone is worth the price of admission to me. Not to everybody but uh <laughs> so once you're in there for the for Zack Snyder's Justice League you're you're watching all of the Harley Quinn you fall in love with Bane switch over <laughs> watch my neighbor Totoro just really have a good time <laughs> I'm also seeing Harvey Birdman attorney at law and I'm going to consume yes, really? all of uh that's one of my favorite tv shows of all time. I used to have a coworker that I worked with that we would every now and then she'd see me and she'd go did you get that thing I sent you? Oh, it always made me laugh because there's a there's a character on that show that uh, his whole purpose, it's the hippopotamus. He just walks around the office and he's like, did you get that thing I sent you? And that's all he does. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It's one of the best. Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. If you can only watch, I don't know how this turned into the Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law <laughs> podcast. I like it though. <laughs> but if you only have a chance to watch a couple of episodes, watch the Flintstones one. Watch the Jetsons one and watch the one with Jabberjaw. Those <laughs> are my favorites. Because the whole premise of Harvey, do you know about Harvey Birdman? I, I actually don't. I'm literally in the HBO Max <laughs> app right now looking up Harvey Birdman Attorney Morgan, Law. You adding it love to it. my list. <laughs> you would love it. The basic premise of Har Harvey Birdman. Oh my God, Attorney. the episodes are so short too. They're like 10 minutes. So the, the premise of Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law is Harvey Birdman is an attorney and he represents like old, uh, like Warner Brothers cartoon characters, like old, um, like uh, 
Hanna-Barbera characters and things. It, yeah, I think it's mostly like Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, because I, I, I see with- one of the Flintstones in one of these like little uh, app things, like the icons. The yes, episodes. it's hilarious. Um, and there's like interpersonal like office things that happen. St- Stephen Colbert is a is one of the voices of one of the characters. He's really funny. <laughs> you would just give it a give it a shot. Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. It's one of my favorite uh, TV shows of all time. The Jabberjaw thing. Just just the fact that they recognize that Jabberjaw was a thing. He's that uh, that big shark that yuck yuck yuck. I don't know if you <laughs> I don't know if you remember him, but he's such a like a deep deep pull from uh Hanna-Barbera stuff. So uh it's just it's like the Jetsons episode is so funny. So if you only have if you oh, only have my time God. to watch one, watch the Jetsons cuz that I'm, one is really I'm funny. so excited for some of these. Oh, so good. Okay, well, uh I guess next week we'll bring some other HBO Max <laughs> recommendations that we have. What if what if every week we just drop another recommendation for HBO? <laughs> we, we and and then we're just like HBO Max call us. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, find a way to work that in as, as a little supplemental uh, Supergirl radio series, just uh, <laughs> recommending things for you to watch on HBO Max this weekend. All right. Well, I think uh, now that we've gone through that, uh, we'll uh, wrap this episode up. So thanks for joining us as we catch up on Supergirl comics. <laughs>